Al Anderson Afternoons, the podcast. Hello, and thank you for checking out the podcast. I appreciate it. Coming up, Fiona Odlum. Friday, fun day with Fiona. Ag reporter Harry Siemens on the harvest in Manitoba and... Dr. Cyrus Dirksen, all on the podcast. Please subscribe to the podcast. Please rate the podcast. And now, the podcast. Let's go to the phone. Fiona Odlum, hello. Hello, my dear. How are you? I am good. I know you're very busy at your end, so thank you for at least doing a short one today by phone. I appreciate that. (laughs) Of course, always, always for you. What's going on with you? Anything you want to get out there out front? Okay, well, I'm super excited for Halloween, and I have to say that I may have gone a little bit bonkers, and uh, I put it on Facebook this week how much people typically spend on Halloween costumes, and most people said, like, 50 bucks. Yeah. Um, How? Oh, Uh, what? (laughs) How much? We're rounding 400 now. What? (laughs) For a Halloween costume? You're a grown adult. You're not even a child. I know. Well, you are kind of a child. You're sort of a child. I am. (laughs) What are you going as? What are you going as? (laughs) I have three costumes this year. So uh, (laughs) I've decided um, to do um, famous TV dog human couples. And so <laughs> you're crazy. <laughs> so my first costume for the first part of the of Halloween will be I'm going as Elle Woods from Legally Blonde with her dog Bruiser. Of course. And then I'm going because I do the weather. Yeah. I'm I'm going to be a cliche and I'm going to be Dorothy with Toto. Well, that's good. That's good. Yes. And then my third one that I'm actually super excited is I'm going to be Ron Burgundy with his little gentleman Baxter. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so this is costing you, you've now topped $400. Yes. And I'm not done. I still have yet to make my Dorothy socks. Because she wears a very specific aquamarine blue sock. So I had to get the special dye shipped in because it has to be bang on. Like, like no no goofing around, right. right? Yes. So, and then last night I was busy dyeing my wig for Ron Burgundy. And, um, I, and I'm not cheaping out. Like, I got the mustache with real human hair. Like. <laughs> wow. I'm, I don't know what part of the body the hair has come from, but I don't care. It's on my face. <laughs> well, you're going to have to send us some. Well, put some pictures on social media. I was going to say send them to me, but yeah. put them up on social media. And uh, how do we find you on Twitter? It's it's just Fiona Odlum on Facebook, right? Yeah, and same on Twitter and same on Instagram. I keep okay. it super basic. So, But I want to know, like when you were a kid, like yeah. was there like that one costume that you always kept going back to? You're like, yeah, um, I dressed this, up is as me, a, this is me. I dressed up as a clown a lot. I, I think I had sort of a little clown outfit, and I remember wearing that several years. I remember being a clown. I don't think I was terribly yeah. happy about it, but that's what I was. And, <laughs> you know, I don't know. I, I have always, even as a child, I've sort of found Halloween boring. I, I just don't get the point, and especially when you're an adult dressing up and, and dressing okay, up your um, pets. You aren't, you do not dress up your girls, do you? Uh, sometimes, yeah. um, but I kind of had to stop because Louie figured out pretty quickly that she could grab onto something on Ruby and then drag her around by uh, it. So yeah, I thought you were that. gonna. I thought you were. 
thought you were going to say she found out very quickly that I was humiliating her. <laughs> Jackie will dress up Hershey. Of course, we don't have Peta anymore, and we miss Peta. But uh, right. we'll yeah. dress up Hershey. She is part wiener dog, so we dress her up as a wiener. And I don't feel great about it, but you know what? Jackie says. <laughs> Jackie says this, and she's right. Hershey does enjoy it. She likes the attention. She just sits there and goes, oh, okay, yeah, I'm putting on an outfit. And she prances yeah. around, and she seems to enjoy it. Hey, i got a dog story I want to share with you quickly here. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know where this was. There's a picture from social media. I, I can't see the city or, or where, but somewhere in the States. This dog was scamming people, pretending to be a stray outside of a McDonald's so people would give it food. And the owner caught the dog literally, you know, with the big sad eyes and right by the drive-thru. No. Yes. So my question <laughs> for you is, what are some things like that that your dogs get away with? Like, what are some what are some fast ones oh. they pull on you? <laughs> oh, well, okay. So I have a unique situation, right? Because I have a house here in Saskatoon, and I, then I have my girls in Toronto. Right. So I have two, two dogs here, two dogs there. And yeah. I have two boys here, two girls there. And they're very different. But Yoshi, who is going to be prominently featured in my Halloween costume because he's so small, um, he is so brutal. He is just a little sneakster all the time. And he's always like, oh, you know what? I think I might need extra food. (laughs) I know Boston got some, but I think I might need extra. And he's just like a little bag of bones, so I fall for it every day single time I'm like oh yeah you're so frail yeah. so he gets like a thousand treats a day and Dogs like it's just funny. little eyes yeah. oh gosh I'm weak around them see Aww. and Jackie is the disciplinarian in our house right so Hershey doesn't get any special treatment right but when I'm around yeah. Hershey knows the big guy there's a pretty good chance he's gonna give me a little taste <laughs> of his dinner right so uh, but it's funny because as soon as Jackie's around, Hershey trots off like, oh, nothing was happening here. Nothing to see. Keep moving, folks. <laughs> yeah. Anyhow, I saw that story and I thought of uh, thought of your two. And you have beautiful border collies and, yeah, just gorgeous, gorgeous dogs. It. So when I moved to Toronto, one of the things that my, my mom loved to always give Ruby and Louie dog bones. And, like, when we lived in Winnipeg. So then we moved to Toronto. And now she's got this surplus of bones. So she tried to mail them to me, Hal. She tried to put <laughs> lamb bones in the Canada Post. Oh, my gosh. Well, that got red flagged pretty quick as no human kidding. bones. And she, she had some explaining to do. <laughs> wow. Yeah, no kidding. Um, okay, so simple, basic things that people can't do. Um, this was sort of a, a hot one on social media, I noticed. I can't remember what the hashtag was. Sorry, I'm sort of unprepared today, Fiona. Um, but, uh, like, for example, oh, well, that's good. We're both uh, losers. Um, <laughs> swallow pills, tie a balloon, whistle, shuffle a deck of cards, uh, pronounce the word rural, uh, fold a fitted sheet, parallel park, wrap a package, use eye drops. These are all things that, basic, simple things that some people can't mm-hmm. do. Do you have anything you can't do, something really simple that you can't do? Keep a man satisfied. <laughs> <laughs> and scene that was perfect fantastic excellent you know what i don't think it's going to get any better than that let's end it right there okay <laughs> i love you have a good weekend love you you too bye-bye right now my ag reporter friend harry siemens joins us on the phone hi harry hey good afternoon 
Harry, I'll tell you, you got a pretty good crew, boy. You went on Twitter and you asked for. Um, I wanted to get you on today to talk about the harvest because you know it was we had really bad weather. We didn't have much of a fall, um, and now we're getting some cloudy and and potentially wet weather over the next several days. And you went on Twitter and asked some of your farmer friends to weigh in. I'm I'm not too sure on some of the areas. I just want to mention a few of them. Give them some. Give them a bit of a shout out here, and then I'll let you talk about it. But Eldon says likely going to finish up harvest today. Will says harvest is pretty much done. Uh, Simon says uh, harvest basically over, still a bit of corn coming in. Brian says more or less done, already working on 2019. And Tom says pretty much done, feed for cattle tight. So weigh in. How's the harvest looking out there, Harry? I think we're probably at about 95 97% done. You know, it's uh, interesting. It looks really gloomy and doomy uh, just uh, you know a week ago and then we got into some nice weather that wasn't totally expected and of course the, the guys are out there doing it as quickly as they can and they're always ready and so uh, you know we may have a few potatoes out there we've got some corn out there I know I've traveled uh, a bit of the province the last couple of days up to Steinbeck up to Winnipeg and Carmen and there you know so there's some there's corn out there there's some a few fields of sunflowers and uh, maybe the odd field of soybean when you get further north and up northwest. But you know what? For the most part, the guys are now, you know, putting that fertilizer on the field. They're working the, the, the soil, getting it ready for planting and seeding again next year. So uh, it's been a tough one. Whenever you got to take grain off that's a little wetter or, or not as dry as it should be, you know, you got to resort to drying it. You got to resort to fans. You got to resort to really watching it, you know, because. You know, you take a, a ten uh, a bushel, uh, ten thousand bushel bin of canola, and at uh, ten dollars a bushel or whatever that price is, that's a hundred grand. You know, and if you let that spoil, just because you're not watching it, uh, that's pretty a big price to pay. So the harvest is, you know, it's not done, but it's sure a lot closer than it was say ten days ago. Has the has the weather impacted the quality of the crop at all, Harry? You know. Not really. I mean, the you know maybe a little bit here and there where it's maybe knocked a grade off. But when you talk to farmers, the biggest challenge, and and that of course cuts right into their bottom line. When you start having to pay a buck or fifty cents a bushel or a dollar to dry corn, and you got to do all those other things, you got to muck out, you know, with the in machinery, you know, which was isn't. Uh, I mean, it's not necessarily made for it, but it is in a sense. You know, all of that is extra cost and extra time. So your bottom line is affected. But as far as the quality of the crop, you know what? I think I've heard a number of old timers tell me this year, Harry, we grew 50 bushels an acre wheat on about four to five inches of rain. That's amazing. Almost miraculous. Yeah. So to put the harvest or the crop year in a word or two, what would it be? You know, I would say... uh, uh, it's a it's some crops a little bit below average. Like we grew about two million acres of soybeans, and they really don't like it if it gets too dry. So they suffer. That that uh, the, not so much the quality, but the uh, bushel uh, bushels per acre suffered. Uh, I think uh, substantially in in some areas. So that's a loss. I would say we were we were in some areas a little bit, you know, below average average uh, probably uh, for the most part. 
I got a farmer listener here who texted in 204-780-6868. Hal, please ask Carrie about fertilizer prices. <laughs> I understand. I, you know, even in some of those tweets today that there are some localized uh, fertilizer shortages, and I understand I don't have the uh, fertilizer prices, but I'm told by farmers that it's uh, it's been quite a bit higher than what they had anticipated. And so, uh, you know, that all adds to the cost. And, and, and it's hard to say why and when and where all of that stuff happens because the fertilizer prices is something we have absolutely no control over. And, it, uh, you know, you can even get uh, some Manitoba product that's shipped across the border and you bring it back in and it's cheaper some days. And uh, it's quite an interesting concept when you talk about fertilizer and fertilizer prices. It's such a needed quality. It's not just fertilizing corn, you know, more fertilizer on. It's, it's actually really crop management when they start talking about all the different uh, nutrients that they put into the ground. And some of the tweets as well, Harry, talked about uh, feed being tight. What's the situation there? That's probably the most critical area. I was at a, at a Manitoba beef producers uh, district four meeting at the Grunthal Livestock Auction Mart in, in, in Grunthal yesterday. And Tom Tycho, who tweeted this morning, he's the president of the Manitoba Beef Producers, and, and he's really concerned. We're going to probably see, when I talk to those producers, and it's not just the interlake, it's not just this area, many areas where, where the feed is short. As one guy told me yesterday, you know, we bailed everything we possibly could. But we're going to see a cutback, a culling of at least the poorer cows, and the livestock people or the mar- auction mark people are telling me that they're seeing more cows come to market. So when I talk to producers, uh, anywhere from 15 to 20 percent, they're going to cut back on their actual cow numbers, which isn't good for the overall industry. But as one Diane Ryder, who's a a director from the Interlake for Manitoba Beef, told me a while back, she says, you know what, it just doesn't make sense if we're going to pay triple the price for bales and then have to haul in those bales uh, 100 to 150 miles you know, at the end of the day, it just really doesn't make sense. So we're either going to get rid of some cows so that we can match the feed we have. And then usually when I hear from a few of my farmer friends, I hear that government, the province, the Pallister government needs to be doing more in situations like that feed crisis. You know, it's uh, Diane again told me, she says, you know, there's all kinds of programs. Some people are eligible and some aren't. She wasn't because... Sure, they were going to get money, but it wouldn't come until January, and there wouldn't be any feed to buy anyway. Mm. So, so in that case, uh, yeah, I, I'm not, uh, you know, down on the government. I think they 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 have they, they try and do what they can. They're more into administration and helping with some of those uh, extra costs that they wouldn't have to have if they weren't into a feed shortage. But to actually pay them for the feed, you know, as one producer told me yesterday, he says, I, "I'm not looking for handouts. I'm just looking for some." some stuff where, where they can help us with some of that the infrastructure and, and stuff and, and just make it happen for everybody. Harry, thanks for the update on the harvest overall. Pretty good news, I guess. You know what? If uh, you, know, I, I, you always have to be careful because there's always some areas where they're going to tell you, Harry, it's really not that way at our place. Sure. I know that. Uh, you know, but at the same time, when you look at it overall, you know, we're still as blessed as any country in the world. Absolutely. Harry, I appreciate your help. Thank you, friend. Yeah, anytime. Dr. Cyrus Dirksen is here. He's here every Friday between 2.30 and 3. DrCyrus.com, D-R-S-Y-R-A-S.com. Doc, how are you today? 
Very good. Very good. It's good Excellent. to be here. Yes. Good to see you. Another Friday. Another Friday. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I'm glad it's the week. Do you have days like that too on Friday where you go? I'm glad it's the weekend. You know, I feel that on uh, I feel it on Thursday because I just know I'm coming to see you. It's like, oh, I'm glad it's Friday. Oh, <laughs> I get to go nice? to CJOB. Isn't that nice? <laughs> well, we've got a lot of stuff to get to. So, and and there are a couple that really interest me. So I'm I'm glad this is what we're talking about today. I like to kind of set it up with the headline, and then you explain, Doc. Sure. Okay. But the headline on this one is: A new study shows why people stay in unhappy relationships. And the reason may surprise you. Surprise me. Why do people stay in unhappy relationships, Doc? Well, we have theories about this, and this one is something that definitely comes up in the clinic quite a bit. And it's this idea that you're going to hurt your partner. And I think people realize that they want to change their behavior, you know, because they might hurt somebody. And people change a lot of behaviors in order to do that. Even sometimes people do things kind of uncomfortable in order to, you know, save somebody's feelings. Um, But the idea of staying in a a relationship that you really don't like, just because breaking up might be bad and hurt your partner, is kind of incredible Hmm. when you think about the amount of time and suffering sometimes that people endure in order to actually save them from a few minutes potentially or a few days of that pain. Because I guess at some point you love this person or you you certainly cared a lot about them. You're in a relationship with them. I guess you continue to like them. I understand you don't want to hurt their feelings, but if you're unhappy, Mm -hmm. wow, that's powerful. It is powerful. And I mean, I would go even further than this research was suggesting and, and would say that sometimes people don't even like their partner anymore and and it's not just about wanting to uh not hurt their partner but it can go as like i just don't want to have to assert myself Mm -hmm. and this is where we get to ghosting which is kind of such a a common thing now apparently yeah just kind of act like that person doesn't exist anymore just kind of disappear into the back and and no longer exist but definitely these are these are kind of Issues that that have surprised me at their tenacity, just mm. how long people are willing to stay in relationships because they want to avoid either hurting somebody or, you know, just because they don't want to assert themselves. I've had people stay in relationships for decades Wow! because neither person was willing to kind of break up with the other because they felt that they were going to hurt each other, mm. uh, even in very kind of cumbersome relationships, you know, multiple partner relationships. You get into these situations where you've got multiple people in a relationship and it's like, well, how did this happen? You know, we don't, we, our culture here is, you know, two, no more basically, but it's like, well, we've got this person. I don't want to break up with them. Now I got this person. I don't want to break up with them and they don't want to break up with me. Everybody's got this hope that it's going to work out somehow. And it's amazing. It's incredible the amount of pain people will go through. Mm-hmm. It, you, you mentioned decades that people stay together. I mean, people often will talk about, well, my parents, you know, they weren't terribly happy, but yeah. they stayed together till the end, <laughs> you know. And uh, listen, I don't. I think we're in many ways living now in a very disposable society. Yes. It's easy to throw it away. Oh, ah, yeah. Yeah. Move on, mm-hmm. right? We got to find that mm-hmm. somewhere in the middle, right? Oh, definitely. And I mean, when I think about this, I'm primarily thinking about, uh, you know, dating relationships. So yeah. Although I think this would apply in marriage. I think that, um, you know, people will use this too. You've heard of people um, kind of saying, well, if you break up with me, I'm going to commit suicide or something like that. And I don't yeah. know if they're using it or if they're just expressing it, uh, you know, and, and, you know, people sometimes do hurt themselves over losing a relationship or things mm-hmm. like this. So it's not always empty threat. Um but those have real impacts yeah. on their partner and people can stay in the relationship, uh, you know, because of things like this. 
And um, obviously, you know, there's something unhealthy going on and and people aren't aren't happy. Um, I've even had, uh, I've had people not just stay in relationships because they feel bad about breaking up, but they get into relationships because they feel bad about rejecting somebody's advances. Really? You don't even know the person, but they look kind of sad. So you talk to them and then, oh, now they're talking to me and I can't get out of the conversation. And so they ask me out and... Uh, okay, you know, let's go on a date. And then, oh, now I'm, and, and they just kind of roll with it and wow. it kind of continues to go. And in this, this relationship that was never meant to be becomes who knows how mm. far it goes. But then I think that gets back to the types of personalities, yes. right? Because mm-hmm. some people are more, I guess, maybe empathetic. Mm-hmm. I don't, I, would that yeah. be empathy? It's kind of a combination of empathy and a lack of assertiveness. Huh. You know, this kind of difficulty with confrontation, uh, watching somebody else be in pain. Uh, you know, the ability to watch your partner experience pain is very important for a healthy relationship. Isn't that a weird thing to say? Yeah. Um, if you're not able to see your partner suffer, you can't tell them the truth. Oftentimes when I have people coming in with anger issues or, um, you know, various kinds of deceit, um, uh, lying about different things, often it's because, or sometimes it's because, they can't watch their partner suffer. Mm. So they can't tell them the truth. So they hide it. They try to fix it behind the scenes. And oftentimes that's not possible and it ends up coming out later, much more harmful, trust issues broken, you know, and, and it's all because of this, I can't see my partner suffer. And it's, and you have to be able to do that in order to be honest and real in a relationship. Especially when it's dating. That's the whole point Mm, of dating. Yes. Dating is about, nope, not for me. (laughs) Moving on to the next person. Time to choose, right? Yeah. And uh, it's incredible how even at those early stages, even before you know somebody, how these feelings can become overwhelming for people and people will make life commitments based on them. Huh. Really interesting. Okay, this one's another one that I'm excited to talk about with you. Here's the headline. Why sniffing your partner's used clothing could make you happier? There is something comforting about... Not that I go around sniffing people's clothing. But, you pick uh, the article, not me. <laughs> but even but what's interesting about this for me is because I've read where they say if your dog's stressed or if you're put your a sweatshirt down yeah. with your dog on the bed oh, and, I it, heard will, that one. and okay. it will relax the dog. Interesting. So you're saying this works with human beings too? Oh yeah. Like, you know, smell is is a very powerful emotional uh, you know, controller. I've heard it's the most powerful thing between would, two people. I would I'm not sure about that, but yeah, I mean, I could see that being argued. Um, And, you know, what's always interesting is when we have these factors that that play on people that they're not aware of, you know, like we we think it's because of this that I fell in love. We think it's because of that. When we look at somebody and Mm -hmm. we go, wow, they're attractive, we know that's playing a role, but smell, who would have ever thought smell would be playing a role? But you see this sometimes when people will share pictures. Yeah. They will talk a long time online, and then they meet each other. And within moments of getting close to one another, they realize that there's, you know, quote unquote, no chemistry. Mm -hmm. I mean, sometimes people don't send accurate photos, but that's not what I'm talking about here. We're talking about something else. You know, the person's, both people find each other attractive. Uh, There's, what is this unknown quality? And, And people kind of... This is where Cupid comes from, I think, you know, like just this idea of this unknown thing. And I think a lot of it is kind of wrapped up in these kind of unknown factors like smell. Mm -hmm. Um, And and it seems that women, women in particular, will relax when you give them um, the clothing, used like worn clothing from their partner. And 
and it's particularly women. It seems that men aren't as smell oriented. It mm. probably works on them a little bit. And it's just funny to it's funny to kind of watch the researchers try to do this research because they're like getting all these men. Men have to wear a shirt all day. They can't use any cologne or anything like this. Or and then they have to get the shirt within a few hours of the day being done, and they have to put it in a Ziploc bag and freeze it so that they have all these shirts from strangers, shirts from partners, and unworn shirts. And then they have to they put these women through a stressful job interview, yeah. and then they have beforehand they have them smell either a stranger's shirt, their partner's shirt, or an unused shirt. And it's just so funny. I would just be so. Wouldn't that be funny to be well, like, and who got the money? Who got <laughs> yes. the money to do that uh, research? Right. <laughs> get the freezer. Get the Ziploc bags, honey. We're gonna go do some research on men odor, men's odor. Anyway, yeah. So uh, this is what they do, and they found that women who were sniffing shirts of their partners, particularly partners that they like, <laughs> you know, if you're close to your partner, this works better. And and they did. They had lower stress wow. uh, during the job interview, particularly coming up to the job interview and after. They were calmer during the job interview. It still had an effect, but not as much. Anyway, just really interesting how interesting. they don't know where the shirts came came from, but and and they might not even recognize the smell, but they can see it mm. in, uh, in and they could even see it in their stress hormone, stress hormone, and perceived stress. Wow. So so cool. It, it, you know, smell is obviously one of the senses, and um, you know, I think about other smells, right? Like if you smell bread baking, you yeah. Know? Or mm-hmm. they say, you know, if you're selling a house, bake cookies in the house because people who come in mm-hmm. will have a better opinion of the house. Oh yeah, if they smell the cookies, right? Yes. So it doesn't surprise me. No. I mean, it sounds weird when you say, "Why sniffing your partner's used clothing <laughs> could make you happier," <laughs> but it makes sense that you know smell would have an impact on people. Oh yeah, and and it's very connected with memory and nostalgia has a huge impact on people's emotions, and yeah. so this is one of those things that I remember watching a comedy uh, where they were like, "Oh, find out what the dad's cologne is and put that on before <laughs> you go on the date." I don't have any research around that, but I just thought I'd say it just because it was funny. Yeah, but yeah, you know, like it's very connected to memory, very connected to emotion, and uh, connected to. Uh, and there's other smells um, that are connected to our anxiety and things like this. And so, right. uh, you know, finding out what those are can really impact you in ways that you don't realize. Hal Anderson Afternoons, the podcast, is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.